Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is your Maxxis Tyres post-race show for round four of the Downhill World Cup here in Lenzerheide. Maxxis is the name you think of when it comes to racing and performance. It's not surprising that Maxxis have won more than any other brand in the history of both World Cup and EWS racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I spent the last few months on the Askai 2.5 Max Grip in their new XO Plus casing up front, combined with a DHR Double Down Max Terra on the back. The Asagai hooks up and provides incredible grip across a very wide range of terrain, where the DHR Max Terra rolls and wears pretty well, but has great grip and amazing braking traction. It's thanks to Maxis that I'm here in Lenzerheide this week to bring you the best insight possible into the racing that we all love. Maxis are also going to be giving away some awesome merch bundles throughout the season. All you need to do to be in with a chance to win is to share the episodes in some way on your Instagram and make sure that you tag me at Downtime Podcast and at Maxis Bike in the story so that we can pick a winner. You can check out the entire range of Maxis tyres over at maxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxis Bike. All right, as always, Lenza Hide It put on a show. Tight racing and blown out dry conditions made for a challenging weekend for everyone. So let's sit down and catch up with Elliot Jackson and Nico Malali to get into all the details of what went on. Okay, Lenza Hyder 2022 is in the bag. Uh, the band isn't quite back together. We've been in the same place for most of the week, but Elliot, you're uh, up in Salzburg for the commentary and doing some stuff on the cross country today. And uh, I've got a bit of a cold, so I'm staying far as I can away from Nico because I don't want to give him uh, that before Andorra coming up. Um, so we're remote, unfortunately, but that's life. Um, before we get into the racing from this week, Nico, uh, there was a, a riders meeting this week to try and get everyone together and, and look at kind of forming a union, what with all the changes kind of coming in the sport. Are you able to tell us a little bit about about that and what went on? Yeah, uh, it was Loic's idea to have this meeting and kind of form a riders, just a group really, to communicate more clearly the needs of the riders to the organizers. Um, going into next year, Discovery and ESO have, are going to be running the sport for the next eight years. So we want to try to take the opportunity to just have a voice to them and not be coming from a lot of different angles if we can organize ourselves as riders and have a clear and concise unified message what the riders want it's more likely that they'll listen to it and at least pay attention to um to what we're saying so yeah it was Loic's idea to do that um he talked to me about it a bunch because i ran for the riders rep last year and greg was elected so um He's the rider's rep, but I, I think he noticed when I put up my, I put up a post about it, like why I wanted to do it. And Loic thought that it was, uh, it was interesting. And he, I guess he thought I would be a good person for it. So he, um, approached me about this idea and I, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help you as much as I can. If I can, um, if there's anything I can do, let me know. I definitely am not like looking for more things to do, but this sounds like a good thing for the sport. And that's why I wanted to do that last year anyway. So, um, yeah, the meeting went well. We all met up on Tuesday afternoon. Um, we tried to invite as many riders that were in the race as possible. Um, Loic organized the whole thing and, uh, yeah, we just met up and basically asked all the guys as a group and girls, 
that if, if they wanted to do that, if they thought it would be a beneficial thing to organize ourselves as a riders union or association or whatever you want to call it, um, and try to explain that yeah, it's going to be a little bit more work. We should have meetings on a regular basis. We should have a clear message. Um, if, if we want to do this, like if we vote on something, if there's a decision, we want everybody to follow the vote and not go rogue um, or else we kind of lose our power if we're not unified. So, uh, yeah, we just had a discussion about that and it seemed like everybody wanted to do it. I think we're going to meet up again next week and kind of talk more about it and how it'll, how it'll look. But, uh, I guess we just had a meeting to decide to have another meeting at the first, at the first, (laughs) but it was a good, um, stepping stone. And I think, um, like my, one thing that I said in the meeting was that we don't need to be a rider's union to be opposed to everything and and try to use our leverage as the riders in the race that they need us. So they need to do things for us. Like it should just be more that we have an open line of communication with the people that are running the race and looking after the f- future of the sport. And I, I really believe that if we're if we all sat down, we're more alike and we're more like-minded and there's less problems than we think. The problem is that we just don't have any communication now. So we hear rumors or we don't know what's going on. And that kind of leads down the road of, of people maybe being unhappy or um, just suspicious of what's going to happen next year because it's a big change. So I, I just want to see just an open communication. It doesn't need to be um, too hard. It's just, uh, as riders, if we can say what we want, we're more likely to get it. So I think it's a, it was a good idea from Loic and, um, I was happy to talk with him about it and be able to be in the meeting. So hopefully it, it continues forward that way. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah. It makes sense. I think there's a, a team managers union as well, either formed or being formed. So it's good that the, like, the key players in the sport will have a, a unified voice, and hopefully keep things moving in the right direction. So yeah, good to good to hear. Thanks for sharing a bit on that, man. Appreciate it. Let, let's talk about the track this week, Elliot. Um, you spent a fair amount of time on the hill this weekend, I think, walking uh, walking the track. Some some, I guess, I mean, small but significant changes from previous years. A track that's been quite bike parky in nature. Um, a lot of kind of hard pack with loose stuff over the top of it, and they've 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 freshen things up a little bit in a few spots, but it seems to have made a big difference, huh? I think so. Um, it was, I mean, yeah, to me it was, it's no longer a bike parky track and it's super ironic because it goes down, it's the same layout, but they moved like one or two pole or not one or two poles. They moved a bunch of poles, um, just a couple of feet and it, totally changed the way that it rode. It felt like, um, just kind of looking at it, it felt like it was super much, much more technical. There was like a new section up top. Uh, they cut out all of those, those kind of back and forth turns and, um, kind of just noticed that everyone was puzzling a bit like, and puzzling in a sense of like, I just, just not really feeling comfortable. Like the first day of practice, I didn't hear really anyone say, like, yeah, I feel great. <laughs> I feel really good and I'm super confident. Like it took a lot of people a long time. There was like an off camber up at the top 
that, you know, kind of everyone, the first day it was pretty slippery and, um, it was really difficult. Like it was so, so hard. I hadn't seen a section like that in a while. Usually there's just kind of maybe like a 10 foot or 20 foot, uh, section of track that you have to do some gap or some line or hop some roots or whatever. But this was a really long section. Um, and people were kind of trying to figure out, do I go high? Do I go low? And that was kind of another thing was this track is pretty one line in a lot of places, but there was a couple sections like that one where a line maybe didn't get figured out. Uh, same with like the, the, uh, steep section. I kind of, counted up the different combinations you could do there. And there was like 20 different combinations, I think. And in the final, you kind of like saw a bunch of them come out. You know, you could like go up high, go inside to inside, you go inside to outside, you go outside to inside, you could like rail the outside. And it was pretty cool to see that in the, in the live feed that people were still taking different lines. I think at a world cup sometimes, or like a lot of the times, like a track gets solved and it takes a long time. Um, takes till like finals runs a lot of the time, but there will be one line. People will figure out the fastest line. Um, and you can't really get off that because, you know, you'll get into loose stuff or whatever and might not be faster anyway. But it was cool to see that there was a lot of choice. And I think you saw that in the times as well, where typically here, if somebody was up at the first split, they would be up at the end and it would kind of be like 0.2 or 0.3 or whatever. And here you saw like a lot of different a lot of variance in the splits um felt like it was easy to make a mistake and then like finn had a really good bottom uh and actually was able to make up a ton of time which i don't think you were kind of able to do that as much before so yeah it was cool it made for like great racing and it was a felt like it was really good good changes for sure nikkei talk us through a little bit that that off camera section near the top because unfortunately it wasn't on camera on the live feed but it's it's where most of you guys seem to have spent a lot of the week kind of there was a huge amount of people gathering there watching other riders through looking at all the different lines and it seemed to evolve over the week as well as conditions dried out as the the temperature got hotter and rocks and roots came out there were there were multiple lines kind of an inside and outside with multiple different variants coming out of it and you needed all that speed basically to carry out into the next fast open section right talk us through that from your perspective yeah i thought it was a great addition to the track um, in general, like Elliot said, I think other tracks should take note if they just make small changes like this. I don't think a lot of the things they did were that difficult to do. They just did them in the way that made for great racing and made for line choice. So that section was pretty cool because in track walk, you couldn't really see anything that was underneath the grass. It was like grassy with pine needle loam, really soft dirt and had never been ridden before. So you had no idea how it was going to ride. It didn't really even look that hard in track walk. And then once bikes got on the track, roots came out. It got a lot slipperier. There was rocks underneath. Um, and I thought it set up so that you came into it through these cut stumps that were had some big roots off of them, pretty rough section with some rocks behind them, into a pretty steep off camber, and then a turn that had a compression on the exit and then a flat kind of pedal out. So it's set up to where it was only a short section, but your line choice dictated a, a pretty long 
portion of the track, 20 or 30 seconds to where that carried you. So it was really important. And you could see with riders line choice, how a faster entrance might set them up poorly for the exit. Or if you took the time to get a good entrance and get a setup for the turn and carry speed out, that would carry you pretty far down the next straight. So, um, there was a ton of options there too. Like Elliot said, the steep section had 20 options. It might have been as defined, but there was close to as many in this section too, which was really interesting. And it was cool to stand there and practice. A lot of riders were gathered there watching what other people were doing, taking a look at the section and what their strategy was going to be um, and to watch it all unfold. And I think a lot of it came down to riding style as well. Like what line worked for someone may not be the same for someone else. So you had to kind of, consider what your strengths were, what you felt comfortable doing and what you thought would give you the best exit and speed through the section. And, um, I just love sections like that. It's a lot of strategy goes into it. There's tons of different options, ability to be creative. You don't need to stick to a defined line either. You see some guys were going in the, in like in the grass where nobody had had tracks yet. So it was cool. I think one of the hard things about it was that in the morning, it was colder, so the moisture would come out of the dirt, and the whole racetrack is on the dark side of the hill. So on the second day, it was a lot slipperier than it ended on the first day of practice, and then by qualifying time, it had dried out again. So it was changing as the weather changed, um, but for the most part, while everybody in the same category was racing, it was consistent. So a few variables there, but... Yeah, cool section for sure. Definitely, man. And talk a bit about bike setup for this track. Is there anything unique in, in what you're doing? Um, well, I don't know. Unique. Uh, this track's like a pretty standard downhill track. It's uh, There's nothing really crazy, I'd say, on any direction. Like It's got some sections where you do need to carry speed, some steeper sections for braking, but not super sustained in any one character trait. So um, I, I wouldn't say the bike setup's too out of the ordinary, like what you would test for and set up for, uh, for most riders, I think would be a track like this. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think I did too much. I was pretty happy in practice. Uh, the track was fun to ride and I felt comfortable on my bike. So I really didn't change too much on my end. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Wish I could say more. I um, it was I, I was kind of thinking about how to uh, commentate this this weekend. Um, and so one of the things I was trying to focus on more this time was like line choice and bike setup. And so I had this like long conversation with PA uh, Loris's mechanic, and we were talking about like bike setup here, and he had mentioned. I think in years past, it was probably a lot more so, uh, but these kind of tracks, you're kind of, um, or in general, right? Like Nico was saying, it's kind of like a trade-off that you make kind of everywhere, which is like, do I want a stiff bike that's going to roll fast or do I want a softer bike that I'm going to get traction? And here I thought it was, it was kind of interesting because there was some of those sections like that off camber at the top, you came around this right-hander at the bottom or right after that. And then you carried that speed 
like so far. <laughs> like you carried it down over that step down, like up over the tabletop. And so then you'd be like, well, if the track was only like that, like I would just run a super stiff bike and I would be flying. But then that off camber before, like I can't run a super stiff bike because I'll crash. Um, so it's like kind of here, like, you know, if I run a little bit softer bike, can I carry more speed out into those like open sections or whatever? Um, and then I think too, like just from a traction standpoint in general, this track is super like, it's so hard to get traction because it's so hard packed, but then all these little pebbles come off, come up as well. And like, there's not really this year, I think there was a little bit more, but a lot of the times there's like, not really these like well-defined ruts. And so you feel, you kind of like feel like you're on edge everywhere. Um, and so if you, we were talking about Amory actually, and like, I remember last year, it must've been when you won here, I sat on his bike and it was so stiff and so fast. And I was like, man, like, how does he even ride this thing? But then we were also talking about like how, and maybe Nico, I don't, I don't know if you noticed this, but with like with the high, what's it called? Pivot point. Um, yeah. Like you end up wanting the suspension to do more for you. Like you would run it a little bit faster to try to like get more, get it to work a little bit better or like get out of like to pump and like to move the bike around. Like you would end up relying on the suspension a little bit more. Um, but I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting that like he was able to run like such a stiff bike here. And like, I think if you could do that, right. Like it would, it would be like really, really helpful, but I don't know if that's just the way that those bikes work or not. I think a little bit of both. I think Amari is a really strong guy, so he can hang on to that bike. And I think a lot of the riders just have a, like a mental association with a stiffer bike is faster. So they're mm -hmm. afraid to make their bike like soft and compliant. Um, if you watch Loic's bike, he's, mm -hmm. he, it looks like his works really well. And theirs is maybe a little soft. And his, his is like so soft. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's uh, wh whatever setup the rider gets in the start gate and believes they're going to be the fastest on, whether it's right or wrong, is going to be the best setup for them. I think yeah. downhill is like so mental that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, interesting to see the different guys. I wish we could have more insight into it, but they're holding their cards pretty close to their chest. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, I remember having this conversation when we, when I was like working with Dave at giant and we like got the, um, the data stuff for the first time, I made a, a like a couple of calls to some motocross teams and was talking to them around, like, what did they do with data? Like, I think I talked to the, like the Rocky mountain team. And I think somebody at KTM and I was like, what do you guys do? Right? Like, do you, do you like time everything and like use that setup as the best? Like if it gets the fastest times or whatever. And he was like, Oh no, no. Like it's all about like feeling like if you, if you're feeling good on it, then like you'll go fast because the other thing about it too is, you know, you could be, you know, a setup could feel sketchy and you could be at the edge of that setup 
And yeah, you might get a little bit faster time, but like, are you going to really want to push that setup, especially like when you get into a race um, and you're just like, man, I am on the limit or whatever. And you might get another setup. Like Nico was saying, it's like, oh, it feels comfortable. Um, and that's, you know, that's what you should be running is, is like what makes you feel good because that's when you'll go the fastest. For sure. Nico, you had the data and you've got the BYB kit. I think you had that on, uh, in practice. Is that like part of the bike project you're doing similar in there? Is it helping you in setup throughout the week? Is it just sort of helping confirm things for you? Like how are you using it? I'd say for the most part, we want to try to get the data on racetracks to be able to know what the bike's doing for my project to learn how to develop the bike better and take that information back when considering changes to my chassis. Um, but I definitely look at it throughout the weekend and on race day. Um, it's cool to know kind of where you are as your average position. Um, most of the time that doesn't change a lot unless you make a drastic change, but to see what some of the velocities are as far as compression and rebound go, um, and how to not balance it out because your fork and shock don't necessarily work best balanced, but to just understand how they're working. And, um, I guess it was before we were recording that we were talking about this a little bit, but a lot of times you use that information to ride the bike better rather than change the bike. I thought more that when I was going to put this system on my bike, I would learn, Oh, if I just fine tune this shock setting, it'll make the bike work so much better. But in reality, I can understand more how my inputs affect the bike and how to plan my inputs or ride the bike better so that it reacts the way I want more than changing the bike. Yeah. I, I remember that too. Like I, I remember thinking because with the, the stuff that Dave had, like it had, had brakes, it had like a bunch of everything. And I remember looking at, looking at the data and looking at my braking and I was like, man, there are sections that I think I'm not breaking in that I actually really am breaking in. And then like my braking, my braking is like super, uh, inconsistent, right? Like I'll break and then I'll kind of let off and break again. And it's like, you think of like an F1 car, you want to condense your braking point into this really small thing. And with downhill, a lot of time you can't really do that because there's, you know, you'll have to like unweight or whatever. But I remember thinking like, oh, I just, I would rather just like put me some data on my brakes and that will help me so much. I remember just looking at that, I like got my times down because I could actually like consolidate my braking points, like not break in this one little section, or maybe I would be tapping them when I didn't think I was, or I could try to like look at the data and be like, oh, I'm going to try to just move my braking point back just a little bit. And then yeah, I could be like, okay, I moved it back as far as I could because I, and I know that because like now I'm braking in the turn. So I'm like too scared to let off the brakes anymore, you know? Uh, so it was, it was just like good to correlate what you're actually doing. Like Nico said, like the inputs on the bike with something that is telling you the truth. Um, I thought that was so cool. Interesting stuff. And I think another thing here that is different and certainly something that I didn't fully appreciate is just quite how long the pits are because it's all spread out along kind of the main road down the side of the lake, I guess it's probably like a mile from 
one end of the pits to the other, which means depending on where you're based, it can be quite a long ride back to the pit and back to the track again if you're trying to get in laps or if anything's going wrong. So I thought it was quite interesting to see a few, including you, Nico, having kind of mechanics with slim-down toolkits at the bottom of the track. Do you think there's an advantage to being in some of the teams that have got their pits a lot closer or do you think it's it's doable? I mean, maybe a minor advantage, but they earned that by being one of the elite teams and I'm pretty sure they get their pits placed by their team ranking. So the best pit spots, it's also for uh, location for the public coming past. They get more people looking at their pit, looking at their sponsors, looking at their bikes, but they're also closer to the track. So it's more convenient. Um, I mean, I don't think it makes a huge correlation. Somebody could win from pitting a mile away. No problem, but it's a little nicer for sure. It's definitely a perk. And handy to have the moped for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I see a lot of electric scooters these days. Almost all the teams have those those little uh, stand-up electric scooters they're zipping around on to, uh, to save the quads. The Logan and Ancho asked me to get some of those, and I said, maybe we can get some of the fold-up Razor scooters, but we don't have the budget for the electric ones this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I, I don't think I saw a Comensal muck-off rider other than on track walk, walking anywhere. They were always on a scooter. Yeah. The racehorses, not workhorses. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about qualifiers. There was quite a gap from the morning practice to the the qualifying and quite a few riders said that like there was a like a dark line i guess formed where riders are pulling moisture out of the soil maybe um and that that dried out by the time that qualifying came on which made it kind of hard to see where the main line was where you were going and also with the sun being a lot higher in the sky the light through the trees was really dappled and that visibility in general was quite hard um, I guess take us through it from your your point of view, Nico. Yeah, I, I noticed that a lot. I didn't talk to any other riders, um, but uh, I mean, it was the same for everyone. It's hard to complain about something when everybody raced in the same condition, but it, it was super hard to see going in and out of the trees. Um, we practiced in the morning when the sun wasn't on that side of the hill so much and going out under the lift or on the ski slope and then back into those dark pine woods. It was really hard to see. Some of the lines are pretty narrow that you have to hit and you're hitting them at high speed. Um, and it was kind of hard to target that. So I noticed that for sure. The grip was a lot different. It was, uh, it was grippier out in the open in practice and slipperier in the woods. And it had kind of everywhere dried up so much that out in the open was getting to be like loose, slippery and kind of breaking apart because it was dry. And then in the woods was pretty grippy and perfect for quality. So um, I think it was just a, a change from what we had ridden a couple hours before, which caught a lot of the riders without knowing what to expect. Yeah, and super tight times, right? And a lot of people missed out on the cut. Unfortunately, you, you were one of them this weekend, Nico. Uh, what what was your kind of feeling from that run? I think I heard you say there were some mistakes. Yeah, it was tight. I mean, it always is on this track being shorter and uh, as many lines as there are, they're not hugely uh, different, I'd say, which kind of makes it cool to race because a lot of different lines can work. Um, so there's not as much to separate people as far as obstacles go. So um, times have always been tight on this track, and I think it was less than 10 seconds for, for the qualifying cut. 
um, yeah, I just didn't put a good run together. I missed a lot of breaking points, um, blew out a few turns and I didn't really feel like I was rushing to make the time back and make another mistake. Like I was trying to stay calm and, and collected, but then missed another breaking point and blew a line wide here and there. And it was just a messy run. I missed it by two seconds and I was disappointed. I knew when I got to the bottom, it probably wasn't going to be enough just judging how the pace is these days. Um, but yeah, I was, it was almost easier to accept this one. Like I was like, well, it's just on me. I just rode poorly. Then the first race I tried to race with a broken finger or the second race, I got a flat and I kind of, not that those weren't in my control. Like I was the only one that rode into a rock and I was the only one that ran into a tree and broke my finger, but I kind of had some issues that I felt like were holding me back. Whereas this time I could get to the bottom and say, you didn't hit your marks. You had a bad run. That's all there is to it. And I find that it's being my fault is kind of easier to swallow than, than the other way around. So luckily the next race is next weekend. So got a chance to turn it around pretty quick. Redemption. It was interesting too. Like my mindset this weekend, I was a lot more relaxed. I was having fun in practice. Um, whereas in Leo gang, after having issues at the first two races, I was so nervous before I dropped in for my qualifying run, felt like a minute before my start, I was like a statue and I wasn't going to be able to move when I came out of the start gate and I was just super nervous, but somehow translated that into hitting my marks really well. And, and I think maybe going into instinct and just riding the way that I knew how without thinking about it. Whereas this time I felt more relaxed. I wasn't as stressed about the qualifying. I, of course, was everybody as butterflies as nervous before the race, but I wasn't um, as bad as I was at the last race. And I thought I would be relaxed enough to ride loose. And instead I just missed my marks. So it's, I've done a lot of World Cups. I think I did between 80 and 90 races so far. And it's funny that I'm still experiencing this like, finding the ideal mental space and mindset and mood to be in, in the start gate. And it's still, a, you don't know what's good. It's, it's unpredictable. It's why we race. You don't know what's going to happen. There's so many variables that you think you could be in the right. I mean, every time you get in behind the gate, you have questions, but you think you're at the best point that you can be that weekend. You're putting your best foot forward, but there's still this uncertainty of what's going to happen. And, it's, it's been doing this a long time and still haven't quite cracked that one. I think a lot of guys probably should relate. I, um, man. Yeah. I, I, I like couldn't agree more. I feel like I, I totally felt that from racing myself, but also just being on the sidelines now, getting a, being able to see people's mindset. Like I, I get like a much broader view, like cross section of people's, mentality and it's uh it's just fascinating like you'll have you can kind of see who's on it i guess from first practice day because like there's always a stress and people handle it differently like some people you'll hear complaining about the bike or their hotel or the weather or the track or like some pole on the track or whatever you know like there's there's like there could be always something wrong. And then other people are just in this like 
amazing headspace. And it's like such a chicken and egg because like to ride good, you have to be in this like really nice mindset, but then to be in a good mindset, like you kind of need to be riding good um, or else you're like maybe frustrated. And then like similar to, I feel like what you were saying, Nico, like you need to be chilled, but then at the same time, if you're too chilled, then like you're not like, not that you're not trying hard enough, but there's like not that those butterflies and like enough stress almost to like get you going. Like I felt like it was maybe, I don't know, like maybe a little bit like that for Troy, um, where he's like coming back from injury and you're just like, okay, like I'm not quite in this, I'm going to go win mindset, which then you're like, yeah, it's okay if I'm not in that mindset. But then because you're not there, you're much farther back than you think you would be. Like I saw he posted on Instagram, like, yeah, I'm, you know, I think he got like a top 20, but he was like, yeah, I'm disappointed, you know? But then at the same time, right? Like he wasn't quite thinking that he was going to win at the, like for the week. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's super, super interesting. I mean, and you could compare that to Emery and he was just like, yeah, I thought it was, oh man, I thought it was so fascinating because he said, in his interview at the end, he was like, yeah, I knew I was riding good. So I felt like this was a good opportunity for me to make up some points in the overall. And so I had, I had this like actually experience with him throughout the week, which he said that. And then I was walking the track with you, Chris, uh, after qualifying and he was just standing there like laser focused, like no one else around, like, you know, you know, you think of him as this like super jovial dude, but like he was just looking at the track, like not talking to anyone. And so both of those interactions are so opposite to, I think, the persona that people have him down as that is just like, oh, I'm just going to take a bunch of risk and YOLO and I don't really care or like I don't care about my life <laughs> and like all of this stuff. Um, but man, I think he's just so strategic and I think he knows what he's doing so well. I think that Mari is really good at raising his focus and then also knowing when to relax. And I think by being able to shift his focus, he can achieve a higher focus and being able to relax and come out of it. Um, like I would consider him a friend. I talked to him at the races when I was racing for Scott, he was on the Lock Blanc Scott team, which was, I guess, turned into the Common Saw 100 team. So we were sharing some settings. And back when he was like a junior and, and maybe number plate, like 100 something, would talk to him about like the link that we were using on Scott and how it could help him. So I go pretty far back and would over the years always be super friendly with him and talk to him and say hello. And uh, it was funny that before qualifying, we uh, that we went to the bathroom at the top and we were both like pissing in the urinal next to each other. And then always at a race, you're like nervous. So I did my warm up 15 minutes later, went and pissed again and we were both pissing next to each other. So I kind of made a joke to him like, oh, we meet again. <laughs> and he was just like, yes, good luck, Nico like super focused. And I was like, normally this guy would laugh and like think that was such a funny like situation, but it was 10 minutes before it starts. So it was, it was not the joking Amari that he normally is, which is like, I think how he can get yeah. to that high level by 
being funny and being relaxed at other times. So I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. I, that is so true. I remember Greg saying that, like, you have to turn off to turn on, right? Like you can't, it's impossible to keep this like full focus, you know, whatever at all times. Um, because yeah, you, you, yeah, it's like not sustainable, but yeah, that's so it's, it's super interesting. Um, <laughs> because yeah, that is exactly a joke that he would just like crack up at <laughs> in any other time. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see, like you say, how focused he was on that track walk. Cause normally you'd expect him to be having a bit of banter with people, but I don't think he even noticed anyone else was there. He was that, that focused on what he was looking at. It was incredible to watch. Let's let's chat about the racing. We'll start off with the juniors. Um, Gracie Hemstreet once again found what it took on race day and took the win uh, from Phoebe Gale and Jenna Hastings, uh, top three in junior women's. So that was uh, was good to see. Also, Isabella Yankova still kind of trying to refine that form in fourth, and Amy Kenyon another good result in fifth. So some strong competition there. Always good to see to see that. Um, and then in the men's. Uh, Jackson stepped up and found whatever he didn't quite have in qualifying to take the win. Um, and Jordan in an uncharacteristic third place, I think looked like maybe found a tree somewhere with a, with his knuckle on the way down. Um, and then Lachlan's Stevens McNabb into third there. So that battle continues. Uh, uh, I love the, there's a podium shot with a, with Jackson with a huge grin on his face and Jordan looking quite somber. Um, what are your thoughts on on that, Elliot? Yeah, um, I don't know if you got to ride with him, Nico, and and Morzine, Lockie, but like that was outrageous. Like it was me, Luca, and Finn, and like everyone was just like, "Lucky, you're too much. Like you're going way too fast." <laughs> um, because the the union team has been staying there all uh, all summer and. Yeah, he's just a super, super, super skilled bike rider. Um, so I, I'm glad that, that that showed in the race. I thought that that was that was really cool, and it was it was crazy that that battle between Jordan and and uh, and Jackson. I think in qualifying, Jordan beat Jackson by point oh yeah, oh nine so or close. something like that. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's it's cool. Like, yeah, I got to spend a little little bit of time with Jackson and Morzine as well. And then Jordan's another one of those dudes that I think that that Saracen team is um, is really like firing on all cylinders. It seems to me like Jordan's riding really good. Matt's riding really good. Veronica's riding really good. Um, their bike looks really good. Uh, it seems like a good vibe. Um, so yeah, I, hopefully they can they can like yeah, it's a cool team. Going. They uh, it's, it's nice to see. They just focus on performance and nothing else. Like if if they weren't winning, you wouldn't ever notice that they were there. They just come there, do their job, win, yeah. and yeah. then carry on with their day. They're not like trying to get attention, making doing anything weird. <laughs> like they just race, do whatever's the fastest, and go home. Which I totally respect. It's really cool to see that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting as well that the Santa Cruz syndicate pits were literally two feet opposite the Madison Saracen pits. So uh, Jackson and Jordan got to stare at mm. each other all weekend um, from very close up. So I wonder wonder how the tension was there. It's cool to see that battle unfold. Totally. And we'll move on to the, the women's racing. Um, 
and it wasn't a podium, but it was very close. So, and we can't not talk about Rachel Atherton coming back uh, to World Cup racing for the first time since Leger 2019, I believe. Multiple injuries, giving birth to their daughter. Um, and I think she made the decision like basically earlier that week that this was the one she was going to come back and have a crack at. Uh, pretty impressive, Elliot, right? To come back and uh, throw down a sixth place at your first World Cup in three years. Yeah, that's like... I mean, she's, she says that, like, oh, I don't know if I was going to qualify, but, like, man, she is uh, probably one of, if not the most competitive person I've I've ever met. And I think it's competitive in, like, so many different ways. Like, she wants to beat everyone else, but I've gotten to talk to her a couple times. I did, like, a longer interview with her at, um, at uh, Fort William, and then I interviewed her a couple times here, and she just like loves the challenge like that. I feel like, you know, for her to be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I had a perfect season. Cause I asked her that question, right? Like, what is the point of coming back? Like you've won so many times, you got a perfect season, you've been world champion. Like what, what's the point? Like, why, why would you even think about it? You know? Um, and she was like, well, like, I don't know, like in the modern era, like no one's really had a kid and come back. So like, that's something that I can do, you know? And I think that um, when you hear her talk about that and I asked her, you know, what is it about a World Cup weekend? And she was like, oh, it's just like figuring everything out, like you putting together all of these things. You're like you're working at trying to go faster. You're trying to do these things. And so I think that there's like a lot of like internal motivation there. Uh, but I did think it was funny because I think G maybe flew out just to make sure <laughs> that she raced. And um, I was kind of talking to her and she mentioned I, she said that a lot on the uh, on the live feed, like, yeah, like my fitness isn't there. Um, she's like, yeah, I, I did as many like full runs as I could at Duffy. But uh, and everyone I talked to, like Steve, Steve Pede and Bernard were saying they rode with her there and she was like flying. Uh, but she was like, man, you know, you come to a, a World Cup race and it's a different level of intensity and and stuff like that. So I don't definitely don't think that that was a joke because I. I grabbed her straight after the race and she, she didn't really recover. <laughs> she, never really caught, she never caught her breath. And you're like, Cammy's just like, Hey, like, what's up? <laughs> um, so I think that for her, like, you know, not having the fitness. And I think also it was a test to, for her to say like, am I close enough? Do I actually want to come back? Do I like, before I put in like this crazy amount of work, is this something I actually want to do? Um, so yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have to see. And yeah, cool to see the response from the crowd and the fans as well. Like some of the biggest cheers in the arena over the weekend were for Rach putting down runs. So yeah, good to see her back and hopefully we get to see more of that. Um, let's, sure. let's talk a bit about Valley, another rough weekend for her crash in qualies and a crash in her race run still pulled back and put in a, you know, a decent result, but clearly not what she wants. I saw, I watched Win TV earlier and her, her body language said it all. She didn't seem particularly happy with things. Um, Nico, can she turn it around? Can she shake this, the monkey off her back and get a full run in at a world cup this year? It's got to be coming, right? The performance is there. Yeah, for sure. I think if she can just do some small positive steps to get it going the right direction and build on it. I think that's all it'll take. Maybe, uh, I don't know, winning time training or 
um, a good quality that she's close on a good run, like something small like that can give her a little confidence and just get it going the right direction. Um, but it's tough. I mean, when downhill is such a mental sport that when you have these bad luck things, like you have a week at the venue to think about your three minute race and all the situations come into your mind. So it's hard to put all that out and just imagine uh, what you want to do and the, and, and exactly the, the perfect outcome sometimes. So hopefully she can figure it out and some positive steps in the right direction will lead her there. Yeah, I, I totally, I think she, I think it would be like perfect if she could just get something like Nico was saying, because I don't know if we were talking about this last time, but there's like a, it's like a spiral snowball thing that happens where you start thinking like shorter and shorter term where you're like, yeah, you know, I've got all season. I'm, you know, I'm feeling good. I train really hard for her. She's like, maybe I'll win the overall again. And then like things start going wrong. You're like, okay, like, you know, it's okay, but I kind of want to win like in the next couple of races. And then you're like, okay, things are still going wrong. Like, let me just get this race done. (laughs) And then you're like, you know, something else will go wrong. You're like, just let me just a top 10. Right. And you like, start like bargaining almost, I feel like. Um, and I think it's, it's so we were talking about mindset and it's, it's so hard to turn that around, um, to be chill because there is like this pressure on to this urgency starts to build up. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's really difficult to break out of. And, you know, I talked to her after qualifying cause she crashed in qualifying. Uh, and she was like, Oh, maybe, you know, I, you know, I got my crash out of the way. Uh, and, and so I think it's, um, I don't know, like maybe, you know, maybe there's something there where she can just chill a little bit and, and start to have a little bit more fun. Um, you know, similar to what we were talking about it with Emery, like maybe she's, maybe she's trying to be like too on, right? Like Nico was saying, you have a whole week to think about this run. And, um, you know, I, I'm just like seeing her, it's, you can tell how much she wants to win and it's just so yeah it's it sucks seeing her ha- have mistakes like that every week but to be fair this was happening last season and she's ended up taking the overall so you do never quite know how this is all gonna and are gonna end up but um totally. a, a rider that stood out again for me i think eleonora farina i thought looked really good this weekend taking a, a solid third place her riding just seems to be improving kind of every round huh yeah i uh we were talking about that on the on the broadcast like she's kind of been under the radar and it feels like this was the first race where she made that jump um from that i don't know six through four pack to the one through three pack i think even if you know valley would have had a good run like she's kind of right there in the mix with with those top top couple women so yeah, it's she's riding really, really good, and it seems like it's like just improving. Definitely, Nico. Let's talk a bit about Pom Pom. That that was a classic uh, Miriam Nicole run. It looked like the the kind of aggression was back in her riding style. She was, uh, you know, f- ended up 
4.4 ahead, I think. Incredible run. She had that huge save kind of coming into that stump section where she got pretty sideways and managed to just get off the brakes and, and deal with it and keep pushing on. That was a that was a classic Miriam run. Yeah, it was awesome to see. Um, it's cool that the battle between her and Cammy has been going on this season and she stepped up and put in a big win. I think it'll make things more interesting going forward. She'll have confidence from that and hopefully build on it and um, makes the overall race super exciting. Definitely. Elliot, Cammy said she, she had a couple of moments on that run. It looked like something was a little bit sketchy towards the bottom of the, the steep plunge. Um, but if anyone can kind of deal with the mental side of not taking a win and come back and fight just as strong, it feels like Cammy's one of those athletes, right? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I, uh, talking to her, <laughs> she was <laughs> the first time I've heard her talk about being nervous or having pressure because, you know, it was Switzerland her family's here. Her friends are here. It's a home country. I think this is the first time she's been here um, where she's like the clear, clear f- favorite. And um, to have that in your home country, I think, is <clears throat> some extra pressure. And uh, yeah, she she crushed it in, in qualifying. Like, And it was interesting talking to Emily, her partner, and she was saying, you know, Akami doesn't normally, she normally peaks during race day. And so to see her this far ahead, like I wonder, you know, what does that do? But in the, in the race, it was fascinating to me because I never, she doesn't normally make mistakes. I actually thought that she had a flat or something, like seeing her back in skip out so many times. Uh, so I don't know if she was just pushing or it was just like, a bad quote unquote run. I mean, even though it was, it was a great run, obviously like second place is still amazing, but I did think that it was a little bit uncharacteristic because I, when I see her ride, I think every time I'm like, she, that's just perfect. Like she is just so good at finding traction. I think a lot of people think of her as this like wet, wet rider, but I think what she's actually really, really good at is like finding traction and having balance. And so a track like this would also be one of those tracks. So yeah, it's super cool. And one of the things I wanted to say about Miriam too, is um, that time that she got was like crazy good. Um, I don't think it was, I think it was less that Cami messed up and more that Miriam was just like on another level. Cause she got a three ten, and what like qualifying times in the men were like low three fifties and then like time training was like a 58 or something like that. So that's just like (laughs) crazy, crazy good. Yeah. Impressive run. And uh, yeah, an awesome race. Let's, let's chat about the men's. Um, Nico, you've always kind of stood by Aaron and said that we'll see him back at the sharp end. feels like that's starting to starting to happen, right? Two 11th places. Definitely looking more like the Aaron that we know on the bike. Uh, that intense team in general seems to be pulling things together. Huh? Yeah, for sure. I think how, like this race seemed like at, he, he got the same position as he did in Leo Gang, but he was a lot closer to the podium. I think he said he was only a second off the podium in 11th. So being so tight, he can see some progress and maybe a couple of small improvements. Aaron's always been a guy that's 
critical of his runs. I remember when we were on the team together, he'd come down and win by four seconds. And in the interview, would be talking about the four mistakes that he made and how he wished he could ride it faster. And uh, Martin would always say to him, like, Aaron, just try to act excited when they when they interview you. Uh, when that happens. So he was always like, I know that Aaron, as soon as he got to the bottom was picking apart his run. And if he can look at it that way and say, Oh, 10th here, half second there, and then see that the podium is well within his reach. I think it's going to fire him up and motivate him for, for the next couple rounds. So hopefully he can keep that upward trend going. I think he just needed, like we were saying with a lot of these riders, just need a couple of things to go right and get the momentum going and uh, and build on it. So uh, it's cool to see Aaron coming back. Like I was, I was thinking how cool it was that he's doing that because he he has no need to do that. Like he's won twenty World Cups, he's done five overalls, everything he wanted in the career, and um, you know the guy's got tons of money. He doesn't have any need to come out here and lay it on the line and race against these guys that are more than 10 years younger than him, but he wants to, and he's out here doing it. And through every struggle that he's had over the past three years, he comes back and he tries his best to race again. And like Fort William got a flat and didn't qualify instead of like being frustrated and over it, he just comes back and does better and does better. And I really think it'll be super cool if Aaron can win a race again after all the struggles that he's gone through and it'll It'll be 21. What's the difference between 21 and 20 World Cup wins? But I think it'll mean a lot to him. And from my perspective, knowing him and seeing all the struggles, it would be really impressive to see a guy want to take that challenge and persevere through it and make it happen. And I think it's coming. I think he's making the right steps. And this race yesterday was a really good example. Yeah, hundred percent. And the uh, the other uh, rider from Intense going well this weekend, Elliot was Dakota Norton, put down a heater in qualies and was looking like he was going to back it up in race run, but he slid on the corner that we spent a bit of time chatting about actually on the, the evening before, where you were saying he, because of the the nature of the turn, you kind of have to take two bites at it, and it's it pushes you wide onto that bridge. It looked like he just caught some dust or something on the bridge and and slid out. But yeah, he was he was on a fair run, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was about to, I think, back up that second place that he got in in qualifying, which is really, really awesome to see. Like, he's such such a good rider. Um, got to talk to him a little bit. And it was funny because we were talking about, um, I can't remember how it came up, but he was he was talking about, oh, we were talking about before the run. And so, you know, like, how do you prepare and things like that? And he was like, yeah, when I first got on the team, I think it kind of shocked everyone else, like how stressed I get. And, and he was saying like, as you go toward the run, he calms down and calms down and, and stuff like that. And to me, I don't know him, like it'd be interesting, Nico, what you think about this run in general, but I don't know him super well, but I think it's cool that he's been able to lean into that because I think one of the things that people would say from the outside is like, dude, like you need to chill out, like calm down. Like if he wasn't as stressed, then he would do so much better. But I think you have to say like, okay, what's my personality and how do I perform? You know, like how do I be comfortable in my own skin for him to say like, yep, I get stressed. And then like I do X, Y, and Z. And by the time I'm like sitting in front of the starting gate about to drop in, like I'm super calm and I'm ready to go. So I thought that that was really cool. 
um, that he's at that point in his kind of career in life. And uh, hopefully, hopefully he can, you know, do it again and, and get a, get a podium, get a win. Cause he's, he's totally right there. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so Benoit Coulange did uh, what Benoit Coulange does and was fairly low key, I think, and then stuck it on the on the fifth spot of the podium. Probably not quite what he wants uh, at the minute, given some of the success he's been having, but still very much up there. But a rider that really caught my eye this weekend was Andreas Kolb. Two uh, top splits, he was the fastest rider of the weekend. Um, and lost a bit in the lower few sectors of the track. Um, Nika, give us give us your thoughts on Andreas because this is a rider that we maybe hadn't sort of talked about a huge amount in the last couple of years, and suddenly we've seen him on the podium two weeks in a row, um, and putting in fastest sectors against a rider like Amory when he's on. I would yeah, say top four. I, I think it just shows that the confidence and the momentum you have when you're on, you're on, and. The past month, he's been at the peak, I think, he's of his career. He got a podium in Leo Gang, would have won Crankworks. I think he fell off the bridge or something near the bottom, gave, gave up the race, but was on to win that. Went to European Championships and beat a lot of fast guys. You know, Collange was there, um, Trummer on Maribor World Cup track. Um, carried that momentum into this weekend and backed it up with another podium and and a lower placing too. So fifth at the last World Cup, fourth at this one. He's The momentum's going all in the right direction right now. And I think um, it's cool that he's able to harness that and use it to his advantage. Sometimes it can be tough to be like, oh, now I have to live up to this. But I think he's handling it just perfectly and obviously laying down the results. So it's it's really cool to see. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I think I talked about it last time, but I feel like he's just like living his best life. Um, and I think the kind of one of the things I see with him and Coulange is like Coulange has been around for a long time. And Cole, even though he's not super old, he's also been around a long time, um, quote unquote, in, in sports years. And it feels like both of them are like really appreciative of these results that they're getting. Uh, I, I feel like sometimes, you know, maybe even in contrast to Valley, where she's like won so much, she won all of juniors, and like as soon as things kind of start going badly or it gets really that momentum goes away, then it's like really really frustrating. Whereas Coulange, like you talk to him after the race, and it's just like dude sweet <laughs> I, I got a podium this is amazing like i'm riding my bike like this is so cool and it feels like andreas is kind of like that as well so it's i i love i love seeing that where you know both of them coulange was a privateer forever and now he's got this amazing team he's doing well and it's like you kind of see where you've come from you appreciate these these results that you're getting like so much yeah some incredible riders and definitely ones to watch um, Greg Minar, I've kind of run out of superlatives for Greg Minar. We have to talk about him so often. Whenever you think maybe he's had enough, he always comes back and takes more. Nico, were you surprised to see him up there? Like I thought he was sort of fairly quiet through practice. I didn't see him a huge amount. He never looked like he was really lighting stuff up. I don't think you can ever be surprised with Greg anymore. <laughs> but for sure, I was not expecting a third place from him this weekend. Um, and, and his run and his riding style, so smooth and carrying momentum, good average speed. 
that he didn't quite look as aggressive maybe as, as a lot of the other riders, but just figured out how to put the run together, keep, keep his average speed up and was so close to really even taking the win. And I mean, almost had to like, after what we were watching from the finish line, like glance back, be like, Oh, Greg is still in third. Like, no way. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome to see. I know he's such a competitive guy as well that even though everybody out here is like, man, it's so cool that Greg is still out here competitive for so many years. He deep down wants to win and not just take it as a positive to be in the race. He's like, he, if he's doing it, he wants to win. So to get the third, get on the podium on the box was pretty cool to see. And I think, again, like that'll motivate him to, to want even more the next couple races. Yeah, it's funny with Greg too. This this year, I feel like he's been having a bunch of bad luck. Where, well, okay, maybe not bad luck, but but things, whether it's a mistake or something, um, and so I think it like shows up in the results. So when you look at the like the result on the page, you're like, eh, I don't know. Like, seems like he's kind of back or whatever. But like in qualifying. He hit a tree and then he hit a rock and his cleat came out. Uh, And so he was like, he rode like the whole last split with like no, no cleat. So he's like unclipped or whatever. Uh, And I think he still did really well in the bottom split, but I feel like it's been stuff like that where you're like, ah, like Greg's just a little bit off the pace where he's like in whatever it was, 15th or, you know, something. And, um, and then you like kind of dig in, you're like, oh, dang, like, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. that was, that was definitely good to see. And, and I think he's, uh, we were talking about on the broadcast, he's got like uh, 26 South Africans here. Like his, a bunch of his family is here and then some of his friends were going to come and uh, they like just happened to talk to his family and they're like, oh, you're going to Lindsay Hyde? Oh, I'll go to Lindsay Hyde too. And so like they just got this huge family trip here, which is which is kind of cool. So I know that they would have given him a lot of grief if he didn't get on the podium. For sure. Yeah, awesome to see. Let's chat a little bit about Finn Isles. I think, Elliot, you were saying you rode with him in Morsi, and he's, he's got this new bike. He's done somewhere in the region of nine or ten days worth of riding on it. To be able to turn up at a race on a on a brand new bike with that little amount of time on shows a few things i think it shows a the bike's probably quite good b him and kev know how to work together and get a bike ready to go and c like finn is in a good position right now that that is a it's a hell of a result yeah no like i think you're you're totally spot on like i think that was kind of what i saw in morzine like he's having so much fun um I'm actually really proud of him that he's been able to, we talked about it in Lord, uh, like a, his mindset. And so for him to, you know, have that injury, come back, maybe not get the result he's wanting. And then to keep like to force that momentum, right? Like, like to get back to a, a second place, um, is so good. Like that. I think that shows that, uh, it's really, robust i guess and yeah. um w- when he was talking about the bike too i guess they did a some testing and he back to back and he was beating like all of his times on his new bike so he was just saying how much he 
he liked it in Morzine. He's like just so much traction and he was really, really having a good time on it. So that's cool. Yeah. When I talked to him about the bike, he said that he could feel better what the bike was doing on the new bike and give more accurate feedback and be able to say, I guess, translate his feelings and what he was looking for better with the new bike. And that gave him a lot of confidence to go forward with it and race it. And I think he's already missed a race this season. So why not, uh, you know, learn more. You learn so much by racing. So um, interesting to hear kind of his thoughts about it. And the bike looks pretty cool. So can't wait to actually get to know what's going on. I wonder what like is underneath that garbage bag they got on there. Uh, yeah, I just I thought it was quite cool to see a brand at the scale of Specialized kind of developing in the open like that, really. Like to see that Atherton-esque front triangle that means they can make changes pretty quickly. Like it's just, you don't tend to see that from the bigger brands very often. I thought that was quite interesting. And, totally. and yeah, the bike looks cool. He seemed to be going well on it. So yeah, exciting things to, to come. And then... I thought it was was pretty interesting that second to fifth place was split by 1.4 seconds and then Amory Piron came down the hill and put 1.4 seconds again into all of them. I mean, that is next level, hey? Like when this guy's on, is he beatable by anybody? I mean, it, it feels like he has these... It feels... Even though the times aren't as... Um, as big as those runs that Aaron used to get, it kind of like reminds me of that, like that run he had in Leger a couple of years ago and like this one as well. It's just like, man, that is just insane. Like, it's just so good to watch. He's going so fast. Um, and there, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love to see it. Yeah. What do you think, Nico? That's a hell of a run to watch. Yeah. I think it's just cool the mindset to be like have this cushion in the overall in the points lead and want to maximize your weekend and think you don't know what's going to happen in the future or coming up mm-hmm. on halfway through the season. If I could take max points right now, that's going to give me an even bigger buffer in the future rather than just you see some guys and in, in all sports when it's a, a points race, you kind of take things conservatively when you have a lead and to see a guy that just wants to win and makes it happen is, is pretty cool. Like it's exciting and it's cool to be a fan of that and and watch it happen. Definitely. Yeah. Incredible racing and the overalls are stacking up. So Gracie uh, continues to lead the, the women's junior overall Jackson comes back into first place in the, in the junior men. Uh, Pom Pom is closing in on Cami. There's now only 100 points between them um, as the season really gets going. And then Amory extends his lead to 274 points uh, over second, which is pretty healthy. Um, and like you say, this is where the momentum starts to build, right? We're halfway through. There's a long way to go, but that's a that's a healthy position to be in, huh? For sure. That's, that's a race up and he's won three out of four races this season. So he's he's definitely by head and shoulders above proved himself that he's the guy. So it would be cool to see the rest of the year. And if nothing else, just see some more amazing runs from him. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, we can't finish without talking about Lit Kit. I think I know my winner, but Elliot, what what are you thinking? I feel like we should do um, we should all do one now. Uh, mine is uh, the Beyond Racing Crew um, with Abby Hoagie and Anna Newkirk. They have like custom kits all the time, and uh, I thought that that was a, a super cool one. It's kind of like old school white and like had these gradients on it. Um, I've been loving kind of the more simple stuff, but uh, yeah. Nico, what about you? Oh man, you guys put me on the spot. <laughs> I was able to save last time, but I can't even hardly remember. The, the races definitely blend together. I, I was saying though that um, I think the Dorval kits look super clean. Yeah, I don't know why this them switching to TLD this year, and I like white because it it's stands out but it's not like in a highlighter kind of way it's like bold but still classy so i, I don't know i like the door wall kits i think they look good fair enough and i i'm gonna vote for millie onset i thought that that kind of pink and white kit was really oh, cool was and i also spotted that she had a set of uh matching sunglasses to put on at the bottom of the hill when she got down <laughs> which i thought was a nice touch oh that's too good all that's the common soul 100 gear gear looked actually yeah, cool I, now that I like that brown like yeah, yeah, it's co- coming back to me. <laughs> They've done a good job. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I thought it's it. Uh, it was a big contrast to what you normally see, like those brown colors, and yeah. it looked really good out on the track. Yeah, and uh, scrub of the week as well goes to Estac on that bridge. I think that was uh, that was pretty pretty cool to Wait, see. No way, the scrub of the week for sure goes uh, to Finn. Okay. Oh my yeah. god, roasts the left and then scrubs it. That was sick. Yeah, fair point. I was going to oh, bring that up if you God. didn't, Elliot. Oh my God, that was too much. That that was a like that run was a great run. Yeah, he's he's a good rider to watch at the moment, huh? Yeah. Definitely, man. Right. Well, uh, I'm off to try and find an ice vest before Andorra because it looks like it's going to be hot out oh, there. Yeah. Um, Nico, you've you've pre-ridden the course. Can you give us just some brief thoughts? Yeah, I went to the test event uh, the weekend after Leo Gang. After walking the track, I thought it was going to be a lot gnarlier than it than it rode. There was some huge compressions, especially towards the bottom, steep section onto a ski slope, back into the woods off of a ledge. But when we rode it, it was so steep that you were braking more than I thought, and it didn't actually ride as gnarly as I expected it to. Uh, the first minute was super fun. It was like a flow trail built for World Cup riders. So all the berms were vert. The jumps were perfect at race pace. You'd have to scrub them or pull up. It was a really fun first minute of trail, but not much to separate people there. And then um, we were just breaking the track in that weekend. So it was hard to get off the main line. There's a lot of rocks coming out that hopefully they've swept off the track. So more lines develop, but I think it will be a close race again because it's pretty short. And it's not too physical in the sense that there's not a lot of sustained hard braking like there was on the last Andorra track or, I don't know, big compressions um, in a row. There's a couple sections where you're kind of coasting in the middle tucked and it's a short track already. So I think that will make for some really tight racing, which should prove to be exciting. Good stuff. Looking forward to it. Well, I hope everyone has a good week and, uh, we will see you trackside uh, in Valnord later this week. Cool. See you next nice weekend. One. 
All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A huge thanks to Maxis for supporting this season and making it possible for me to be here. Maxis have incredible tyres for you no matter how or where you ride, so head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. I'm currently running the DHR Max Terra in the back and the Asagai Max Grip in the new XO Plus casing up front and it's a combo that's working super well for me, so why not check it out for yourself? Here's a few other links that might be useful to you. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you'd like a copy of the first issue of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. Until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 